returning to our study in, uh, in the book of Ephesians this morning, but we're actually backing up a little further because we had a snow out about three weeks ago, and I didn't get the opportunity to preach on Ephesians 4, verses 7 through 12, which is a really key part of what Paul is saying about the application of being in Christ when it comes to us as a community of believers. So we're actually going to back up this morning, and we're going to go to Ephesians 4, and we're going to look at verses 7 through 12, which talk about how we serve one another in the church, and how is God uh, setting all of this up? How is Jesus organizing his church so that it's well cared for? Uh, because there are a variety, I mean, even in just this one service, we have three services on Sunday morning, in this group alone, there's a wide variety of gifts, there's a wide variety of talents, and there's a wide variety of, uh, of life experience. And so what you know, somebody sitting over here really loves to do might be the very thing that this person says, please don't ever ask me to do this. But then we might think, well, then there's nothing for that person to do. No, they just have different gifts. They have different abilities. And so we need to see all of them working together in order to strengthen the body of Christ. So some people ha actually have the gift of speaking and, and of teaching and, and, of, and of sharing with others. And that's not an age thing. Now, you can maybe get better with it as you get older, but some people have that gift. And we have a young man in our congregation who is in first grade who about two months ago approached me and he said, I would like to preach a sermon. And I said, I think it would be great if you preach a sermon. We talked a little bit. I'm like, I think you, you've got some of that gift in you. And we'd like to encourage it and we'd like to support it. But I said, now, a sermon is not just about what you want to stand up and talk about. The sermon's about the Bible. So when you're ready, take a look at the Bible. And when you have something that you want to say from the Bible, let me know. And it could be two weeks from now or it could be two years from now or five years. That's up to you. But when you think you have a sermon, I'd like for you to be able to use your gift for the benefit of our congregation. So Jackson Drew is ready to share his sermon. Jackson's going to come up and he's going to share. And what I'm going to do, we're going to kind of team do this together. So I'm going to read the verses that are the, the theme verses for Jackson's sermon. Jackson's sermon this morning is about giving and about generosity. And, and before I read the verses, I just want to remind you when, you, when you read your sermon, make sure you speak up good and loud, okay, so everybody can hear you. Because sometimes they kind of don't maybe want to hear you, so you got to really make sure that they, they hear you. Okay, so I'm going to read the verses, and then you're going to give your sermon. So out of Proverbs chapter 28, hear the word of God. Whoever gives to the poor will not want. But he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. Then in Mark's gospel where Jesus is in the temple uh, and, he, and he sees something and he wants to share with his disciples. So uh, he, Jesus, sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and he said to them, truly I say to you, the poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in everything she had, all she had to live on. All right, share your sermon with us. Yesterday I saw a poor man. I gave him money and thought kindly. My mom gave him granola bites. He was grateful. I felt happy. My heart was warm. My mom asked why I was happier giving all the money in my pocket to the poor man than buying a Christmas present for my sister. 
I was happier giving the poor man all the money in my pocket because he had nothing and my sister has much. God gave me the gift of Jesus. Without Jesus and God's love, I am poor. With it, I am rich. What can I give to Jesus? I can give him thanks. I can shout for joy for Jesus. I can sing to him. I will give him my heart. Very good. Jackson, they applaud like that after every sermon preached. <laughs> so uh, Jackson has been here since about 7.30 this morning. So we're going to let him go home and get some lunch and put his feet up. He has, he has faithfully executed his responsibility this morning. Um, so clearly th- there's a point here, uh, not just that, that Jackson has a message about generosity and giving that's biblical and based on Scripture, but that regardless of our age, regardless of our life experiences, all of us as disciples of Jesus have gifts. We have abilities. Now, again, there are probably three-fourths of the room would say, please don't ever put me up in front of the congregation. I, that's not my gift. And, and, I, and I get that, and I understand that. I say things like, please don't make me a Stephen minister. I, I don't have the gift of mercy. You don't make me a, a kindergarten teacher. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't be very good at that. But there are other areas in which I can serve. There are other areas in which you could serve. And what Paul is trying to teach us this morning is that's all ordained by the Lord Jesus. It's organized by the Lord Jesus, and we're equipped by the Lord Jesus. Therefore, we we can have confidence and we can serve one another by building up the body of Christ. So Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 12, hear the word of God. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, and then he quotes out of the Psalms, when he ascended on high, he led a host of, cap- of captives and gave gifts to men. And saying, he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all, uh, far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for, the building, for building up the body of Christ. This is God's holy and perfect word. To him alone be glory. Let's pray for a moment. Uh, And as we begin, I'm going to ask you to take a moment of silent prayer and and, uh, in your own heart, ask the Lord to speak to you this morning. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would uh, answer the prayers that have been offered in this last few seconds and moment. Lord, we do come from a variety of different life experiences, not, not just over the years, but over this last week. And so, Father, some I'm sure are coming hurting and sad. Others may be filled with joy. Uh, some may, may be just extremely tired of, of winter and longing for spring. Lord, some come with um, financial issues, with family challenges, Lord, some of us come feeling like we're on top of the world, and others of us feel like we're carrying the weight of the world. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you know each and every one of us, and that your grace is there for all who call on the name of the Lord. 
So as we talk about what it means to be a collective group of disciples following you uh, and what that looks like and where we put our energy and our effort and our time, we pray that you would teach us, that you would instruct us, that you would give us your word of life, that we would follow you as you lead us. Lord Jesus, forgive my sin. Please don't let me be a hindrance to your teaching this morning. We pray in your name. Amen. I think Paul is, is pretty direct and pretty clear here. Uh, for our spiritual family to grow and mature, every disciple needs to play their part. Uh, there's a, a saying in the church world, the 80-20 rule or the 20-80 rule, uh, which means 20% of the people do 80% of the, of the heavy lifting, so to speak, uh, in the church world. Now, that's not true at Green Tree. Our, our, our statistics are much better than that. But it's always good to be reminded of the fact that we belong to a community. Uh, in a day and age in which we live, in a culture in which we live, which makes it all about the individual and what I think I want or I need, it's good for us to go back to Scripture and remember that in God's design, yes, we, we are important to God. We are individually important to the Lord Jesus, but He also saves us to be part of a community, to play our part. And so the question that I hope every disciple of Jesus will ask themselves this morning is something along the lines of, am I fulfilling my role in the kingdom of God? And if I'm not, how do I discover what that ought to be? And how do I uh, amend my life accordingly to create some parameters, whether it's time or other resources, so that I can be faithful in the calling that God has placed on my life? Uh, often we think the, the pastor has a calling or the elders have a calling, but actually each one of us individually, according to this text, has been gifted and therefore called by the Lord Jesus to serve in his kingdom. So let's, let's look what this uh, playing our part is all about. The first, I have four observations this morning. The first one is a question of ownership. It's a question of understanding that, that we're in this. Look at verse 7. It says, but grace was given to each one of us. That according to the measure of Christ's gift. So Paul intentionally here goes to the, to the language of, of each one and not kind of what we said a few weeks ago. Sometimes Paul says, you know, all y'all, everybody, and he's thinking, he's wanting everybody to think collectively. Paul's wanting us to think collectively, but about our part. And so he says, the Lord Jesus has given us each one a gift according to the measure of his gift. So it's God's intention that every believer be gifted and play a part in their local congregation. So God's intention is that there's wide variety within the local congregation, that within our spiritual family, there's a diversity of background and talents and life's experience and the gifts of the Spirit. And all of that make us richer and fuller as a congregation collectively. So again, you may be thinking, you know, I don't know how much I have to give. And you'd be surprised sometimes at how the small things can make all the difference in the world. When I was a young man starting out in the ministry, uh, we, we lived on Lookout Mountain in Tennessee, and we, I served uh, at Lookout Mountain Presbyterian Church. And I remember when I first started uh, working there, there was a man named Mr. Wright. And Mr. Wright uh, was an elderly gentleman when I started at the church. He was probably in his mid-80s. And I noticed after a few weeks of working there that on Sunday morning, Mr. Wright would park his car in the furthest spot at the far end of the church parking lot. And from that parking spot to get into, to go to a Sunday school class or to get into the sanctuary, that was probably like a 75 to 100 yard walk. And Mr. Wright was in his mid-80s, and, and he wasn't a fast walker. And it would take him a few minutes to get there. And after watching this for a few weeks, I said, Mr. Wright, you know, by now you've certainly earned a spot 
closer to the building. I, I'm not sure why you're parking way over there and kind of, you know, making your way as best you can into the building. And he said, Tom, these close-up parking spaces, these are for people that really need them, people that aren't healthy. You know, people that, that need a little bit of extra help because these parking spaces are, you know, for like, like a young mom maybe who's coming to church and her husband's maybe out of town and she's trying to get three kids into Sunday school classes. I want to make sure that they have a place. He says, I want our visitors when they come to know that the people of this church are here for them. So I park far away and give them the better spot. That's a gift, brothers and sisters. There, that, there's some humility, some care, and some service in where he parked his car. Guess where I started parking my car the next Sunday after I heard that explanation? I, I was pretty much ashamed of myself, and I started moving my car to the far end of the parking lot on Sundays because that gift was just demonstrated right in front of me. In the mid-'90s, uh, we went through a difficult time in a church where I was serving, and um, Cindy and I just kind of felt a little bruised and battered, and some friends of ours noticed that, and they said, why don't you come over to our house on Sunday nights? So okay, why? What do we, we want to watch a little TV? So we just want to pray for you. We just want to pray for you. And so every Sunday night for a year, we would go to their home and there was sometimes four or five people. Sometimes there were a dozen people. We just pray. And they just, they'd lay hands on us and they'd, they'd pray for about an hour. It, it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't a giant production. They, they weren't announcing it to the church. They were just kind of going about their business with the gifts that God had given them. I'm going to brag a little bit about my assistant, Diana Rolfing, because she's out of town, but you can't tell her I bragged on her because she'll get mad at me. But Diana Rolfing walked into this church in August of 1998, and she looked at what at that moment we called a children's ministry. And I use that term very loosely. <laughs> and Diana said, I think I can help. And everybody basically said, here it is, praise God, we're thankful that you're here. And now, fast forward to today, some 20 years later, she's still teaching our second grade Sunday school class. She doesn't make a big deal about it. She doesn't want you to make a big deal about it. She goes in there, just like the vast majority of our Sunday school teachers don't even want, they don't want their names up anywhere. They just want to go teach kids. They're using their gift. They have ownership. It's, it's not about how big the gift is or, or how much light is shed on it. It's that each of us understand that we are part of God's intended strengthening of his church and we, and we serve in that capacity and in that spirit. Grace is according to Christ's gift. What is the gift that Jesus gave us first? Is it not our salvation? Is it not his grace and his mercy? Is it not the new life in which we find ourselves? And if that's the case, then that, that grace, that salvation doesn't move me to self-obsession. It moves me to self-sacrifice. It moves me to service. It moves me to creating margins in my life so I can care well for others, even if that's simply being, being a spiritual caregiver in my own home with my own spouse and my own children. Wherever we find ourselves, the church is not the building. The church is the people of God. And Jesus has given us his grace so that we would be empowered to serve him by serving one another. So how do I look at, at my spiritual gifts? How do I look at, at my ownership? Do I understand that, that I'm part of something bigger than myself, more important than just my own spiritual care? And do I, do I realize uh, that, that I own part of this opportunity? Secondly, not only ownership, but in verse 8, I think we see uh, Paul reinforcing the notion of our contribution. I don't mean a financial contribution. I mean our, our contribution to the health and the well-being of our congregation. Therefore, it says, and he quotes out of Psalm chapter 68, verse 18, the psalmist is looking forward 
into the future to the day when the Messiah will come. And what, what will happen when the Messiah steps onto the scene? Well, this is one of the things that will happen. When he ascended on high, the Messiah, back into heaven, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. What, it, what does that interesting and perhaps a bit obscure verse means? Well, the first things it means is that Christ is fundamentally the one who gave first. And we've already mentioned that. He gave uh, to us new life through the cross. He has captured us with grace. If someone asks you how you came to faith in Christ, it's an incomplete answer to start with yourself. If you say, Tom, how did you become a Christian? It's, it, it's an incomplete answer for me to say, well, let me tell you when I put my faith in Christ. Where I should start is, let me tell you that God intended to bring salvation from before the creation of the world, and he put those pieces in place so that when I got to the place where he was speaking to me, I could hear his voice. He gets all the credit. He is the Savior. He is the Messiah. He set at the table so I could become a captive of his. That's his gift, his life for ours. That's why he descended. We're not going to really get into verses 9 and 10, but that's why he descended in order that he could capture us with grace and then give us everlasting life with him. In the process, therefore, he's leading us to heaven. He led a host of captives. He's in charge. He's the boss. He's the one who is leading this procession, not the pastor, not the elders, not, not anybody other than the Lord Jesus Christ. The first duty of an elder, we learn this when we're young and we learn this in training in order to become elders. One of the first duties of an elder is to seek to know the mind of Christ. Why? So that we can follow him and we can encourage others not to follow us, but to follow him so that we may give a contribution. He gives us gifts so that we can use those to help build his kingdom. So what are we doing with the contribution that God has given us? How are we turning around then and using that? Again, with our family, uh, immediate family, or and our spiritual family as a whole. Ownership and contribution. And you might be saying at this point, okay, I, I, I'm listening, I'm in, I, I, I get the point. I think that's a fair point, but I, I don't, wouldn't know where to begin. I'm not sure gifts and talents. I don't, I don't know what I bring to the table. I don't know how I figure that out. Uh, I don't know that I'm prepared to serve. And that's where the passage takes us next. It says this, that Jesus, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to do what? To equip the saints. Who are the saints? The saints are you and me. The saints are not good people. The saints are people that know they're bad people, but they've put their trust in the goodness of Christ to bring them redemption. So the saints are responsible for something, and God is going to prepare us for that responsibility. For whatever he wants us to execute, whatever he wants us to be about, he's not going to leave it to us to, to figure it out on our own. He's going to make sure we understand the process. So we have this notion of, of uh, the giving these folks for the equipping of the saints, for training, for preparation, for getting us ready. When I was uh, the end of my freshman year of college, it's hard to believe now, but I actually played soccer in college. And I remember at the end of, of my freshman year, the coach got the team together before we uh, finished up finals and, and we all got it down in the gym and in the locker room. And he handed out the summer training manual. 
back then it was on a, it was on a notebook. It wasn't electronically. And you flipped it open, and there was week one in mid-May, and there was week two, and all the way through, up through the end of July, first week of August, when we would come back to camp to get ready. We had about a 10-day camp to get ready for the season. And the coach would say, read this book and do what it tells you to do. If we want to be successful next September and October, November, you need to start preparing now. Follow the instructions. Run the, run the exercises it tells you to run. Lift the weights it tells you to lift. I'm, I'm wanting you to be ready, and I'm doing everything in my power to get you the materials you need to do what you need to do. That's what God is doing. That's what God has done, and that's what he continues to do to this day. He equips us so that we can follow him into service. And there's a list here, folks, we're just going to run through them quickly, of people that are resources for us. First, he gives apostles, and he gives prophets. Now, when you read apostles and you read prophets, I could, I could and probably should do an entire sermon on that, think scripture, right? The prophets are those folks in the Old Testament who were speaking about the coming of the Messiah. So a lot of them are found towards the second half of the Old Testament. You get into Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zebediah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. When you get to those books in the back of the Old Testament, those are the prophets. And when you read those prophets, they speak about the sin and the brokenness of the world, in particular in the nation of Israel, but, it, but it's bigger than that. And then they talk about the promise of God's coming and bringing redemption. Why do we have that message? So that the saints would have hope. So the saints would realize that God has a plan, that he's in control. And then we read the apostles. We come to the New Testament, the eyewitnesses of Jesus, those 12. And then we, we, we lost Judas at, at the end of Jesus' life. But then we were given the apostle Paul later on to fill that gap. And that's the New Testament. And so we have the word of God to read and to study and to prepare. And, and everything I'm telling you this morning, you can find in scripture. Those are the apostles and the prophets. But we also have, in every generation, we have evangelists. An evangelist is a person who just can't wait to tell one more person about Jesus. An evangelist comes in there and look, looks at this group and they say, okay, probably most of you are Christians, so, so that's great. But if any of you aren't Christians and you want to know about Jesus, you're the people I want to talk to. I don't, I don't, I don't want to spend time with fellow disciples so much. I want to go talk to people that don't know Jesus. And, and that's what, what fires them up. That's what motivates them. In my generation on TV, Billy Graham was the quintessential evangelist. He didn't have a church in one spot. He went from stadium to stadium to stadium all over the globe with one message, Jesus is Savior and Lord. Have you put your faith in him? That's the evangelist. Now, you could be talking to 10,000 people or you could be talking to one person, but that, pers that, that evangelist, the evangelists within Green Tree Community Church are here to equip the rest of us who maybe don't have that gift to a spiritual sensitivity that says it's not all about us. It's about people that don't yet know Jesus. That's part of our equipping. And then we have preachers. We have people that, that, that stand up here on Sunday morning and, and, and throughout the week they serve on a regular basis and they do serve in one congregation. They do serve in one spot for some amount of time, maybe for a shorter amount of time or a longer amount of time. But they're there to shepherd. They're there to care. They're there to listen and to, to try to impart God's word in one particular local setting. They're there to exhort. They're there to encourage. They're there to challenge. These folks are given so that you will be able to serve the Lord Jesus and serve his church. And then at the end of the list there, although it's not necessarily that they're less important, but at the end of the list there we have the teachers. And the teacher's a little bit nuanced there. I'm much more of an exhorter than I am a teacher. 
the teachers are the ones who are, who are, who are experts in certain areas. They're, they're perhaps a bit more of a specialist, and, and they're the ones that can really instruct us. They're the ones that can really can take a certain part of Scripture and really bring it home. So they're teachers that, that understand prayer, and they can teach us about prayer. Uh, maybe a little bit better than the pastor can because they've, they've really have dove into it. Or someone could teach us a little more about how to share our faith with others. They, they, they're kind of nuanced in that they have some expertise. So I know we don't want to, but we're all thinking about the Super Bowl, right? And, it, and it's kind of a, I mean, it's a lousy week to be in St. Louis. Who are you going to root for, the cheaters or the leavers? I mean, you kind of got, got either. Somebody said we ought to, we ought to cheer for, for, the, for Buffalo Wings um, uh, that we're going to snack on during, during time. But I got to thinking about this idea of teachers and this idea of kind of being a specialist. And I thought to myself, I wonder, you know, you see all these guys on the sideline. I wonder how many coaches the average NFL team has. And now you can Google anything. anything. So I Googled that. And I spent about a half an hour digging into this. So I took the first one, which just was an alphabetical order. I took the Buffalo Bills. So we're going to talk about the Buffalo Bills for a second. By the way, they were 6 and 10. So we're not talking about quality of staff. We're talking about quantity of staff. And they're kind of in the middle. There's some teams that have a few more coaches and some that have a few less. So they're, they're a good example. How many coaches do you think the Bills have? 30? 27? 20? 25 coaches. That's a, there are 52 players on a team, so that's about two. I think if we had two, two past, one pastor for every two people in this church. Uh, not a good idea. Um, but listen to some of this expertise. So you have the head coach, but then offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach, running back coach, wide receiver coach. Wide receivers, did Isaac Bruce just not get totally ripped off again? That's absolutely ridiculous. Tight end coaches, offensive line coach. He didn't get in the Hall of Fame in case you didn't see that news. Uh, assistant offensive line coach, uh, offensive assistant, offensive quality control defensive special projects. Defensive coordinator, defensive line, assistant defensive line. Linebackers, defensive back, safeties, defensive assistant, defensive quality control assistant, linebackers, special teams coordinator, assistant special teams, head strength and conditioning, assistant strength and conditioning, assistant strength and conditioning, strength and conditioning, assistant. We're just putting it in different, different order. <laughs> 20, 25 coaches to win six football games. <laughs> God has given experts to his church that know a little bit of something about being a linebacker, being, being an offensive tackle, being, being a punter, right? So we have, we have people that know something about evangelism. We have somebody that says, you know what, I, I, want, I want to make sure that Green Tree has a great Stephen ministry so that people are cared for when they're hurting. Somebody else says, I love music. I'm passionate about music. I want to make sure that the, the songs we sing on Sunday morning are engaging and spiritually enriching the people of God. We have other people say, I want to stand at the door and say hello. So I don't want anybody to get to this room without them having somebody with a smile on their face greet them and say hello to them. Somebody else says, I, I want to go downstairs and I want to, I want to teach kids in Sunday school. And, and we have these areas of expertise that, and the teachers bring that out and they reinforce it to get us ready, to prepare us for what? And that's our fourth observation this text this morning, verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Just two quick thoughts here. The first one is in that phrase, work of ministry. While that's a descriptor, I, I, I want to, uh, to suggest, and it's only a suggestion, but I want to suggest that that's talking to us about tone. How many of you, when you think about church, think about work? How many of us, when we think about our spiritual family, think about a contribution of effort 
in order to build up the church. Most of us, if we're honest as Americans, think about what church does for us. And I'm not trying to be mean this morning. That's just, we're kind of hardwired that way in the United States. And the Bible wants us to think in a radically different direction. The Bible, the Lord Jesus wants us to understand that our church is only as healthy as our contribution, and our contribution, therefore, needs to be intentional, it needs to be a mindset, and and it needs to be given, it needs to be worked on in order for the entire community to benefit. The second thought here is in that notion of building up the body of Christ. That's where our effort is expended, and that's the goal, that I would do my part to help the community to which I belong in the Lord Jesus grow, and mature. So where do you go from here this morning? Some of us, uh, I know a lot of you guys are already involved in ministry. You know what your spiritual gifts are. And, and, and for you all, what I want to encourage is just kind of a pat on the back and say, keep going. And if, and if you kind of feel like you're, you're drifting from where you ought to be serving, there are any number of us would be more than willing to help you. A lot of what I'm going to talk about is in, in Pastor Darrell's corner of Green Tree Community Church. Uh, and I know he and his team are well. I, and I introduced Diana Simone Pietri, who was in the first service. So I actually had Diana stand up so folks could see her. Uh, but, but Pastor Daryl's team is, stands ready to help you understand your spiritual gifts and, and to grow in them. So if you, if you think maybe it's time to, for a change, let them know. But for those who are saying, okay, I, I'm with you, I'm buying it, but I don't know what my spiritual gifts are, and I don't know necessarily how to go about it. The first thing is this, you need to understand what spiritual gifts are, and I'm just going to put a partial list on the screen, but it's fairly representative, and it speaks to the, the, the things that God gives, the gifts God gives in order that we can care for others. So you can take a picture of that if you want with your phone, or you can go to Romans chapter 12 or 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but serving one another, administration, hospitality, someone with discernment, just the ability to kind of think through things and make wise decisions. All of those are gifts that God gives. Now, now, how do you figure out if you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, what do you do with that? Well, we have a page on our website that can actually help you do that. So if you go to our Green Tree Church website and you click in, you know, spiritual gifts, here's what's going to happen. This is so cool. He's actually doing this, you know, kind of putting this out, uh, you know, as we're going through it. So this page pops up uh, on, our, on, our pay, on our website and you can actually take a spiritual gifts inventory. And when you get done with it, you'll look at it and it'll say, you know, you seem to have the gift of leadership or the gift of hospitality or the gift of teaching. And when you look at it, I think you're going to go, yep, that, that kind of sounds right. Now, what do I do with that? Now, where do I go? Well, we want you to be able to jump in. So in your bulletin this morning, again, this isn't everything, but we tried to get a good representation of different areas in which you can serve. So you look at that, hospitality, women's ministry, finance team. Some of you are thinking, I'm good with numbers. They can't possibly need that at a church. Well, try being a church where the numbers get out of whack and you don't handle the money well and see how long that church lasts. We absolutely need people that will help us handle our money with wisdom and, and with care, right? Children's Sunday school teachers, grounds, folks that just kind of try to make our, our property look okay, missions teams, folks that are, that are making decisions on who we support around the globe when it comes to our giving. And, and if you think the sermons are too long, you could sign up to work at the tech table and you can move my sermon slides along faster. And everybody in the church will probably love you the best. But again, we think gifts, we think, you know, the person that's up there singing or the person that's up there speaking. And that's so wrong, that's so limited. There's so many ways in which God calls us to serve, and God gives us gifts. So I want to encourage everyone to, to jump in, to find your spot. Right now, your spot may be primarily making sure that your family is growing in the nurture of the Lord Jesus. And it may be that, that, that you're a little bit restricted in what you could do for the larger spiritual family. But there are a lot of us 
who are, are in a position where we have some time and we have some flexibility and we're not serving and we are weaker because of that. I believe this passage should give us encouragement. Say the Lord's prepared all this for us. This is not something we got to figure out. He's done that for us and he's leading it and he's calling us. We have to, we have to ask two questions. What's my part and how do I jump in? Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, uh, we thank you for you giving your life to establish your church, to establish your spiritual family uh, that we're a part of. Father, I thank you for uh, just how you show us in so many different ways, uh, how you reveal yourself to us. Thank you of Jackson wanting to preach a sermon and talk about generosity. Lord, I, I thank you that uh, you're at work in his life with, with the gifts that you have given him at such a young age. But Father, you, you do that for every disciple of Jesus. You don't just call us to salvation. You then equip us. You empower us. You strengthen us through your word and through your Holy Spirit, through the people that you bring into our lives. Not just for our own spiritual good, certainly that. But beyond that, that your body, Lord Jesus, may grow and mature and be strengthened. May we all find our part. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.